Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. God has set apart a family for his purpose. And of course, I'm speaking about the family of Aharon or Aaron as the priests of Israel. We also need to be reminded that in Messiah Yeshua, that we become a kingdom of priests, a holy nation set apart for kingdom service. And we can learn a great deal from this consecration service of Aharon and his sons that Moses oversaw through the instructions of God. We can learn a lot about what we're called to be as his faithful servants. The word Kohen, priest, simply means a servant, someone who has been set apart for an assignment. And that assignment is connected to the will of God, or we could say it simpler, according to the purposes of God. If you are a believer in Yeshua, you have been saved by grace, and that that salvation has an expectation that you would be committed to the will of God. So take out your Bible and look with me, if you would, to the book of Leviticus, Sefer Vayikra, the book of Leviticus, and chapter 8. In this study, we're going to complete the first part of chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Let's begin. Verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This verse that is repeated so many times in the Torah speaks to God's revelation and Moshe, that is Moses' submissiveness to the revelation of God, the God's instructions to him. He heard and he responded. Again, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, verse 2, Take Aaron and his son. So Aaron is the high priest, and we find that his sons are normal priests. And from his sons, after the death of Aaron, one will become the replacement for his father. That will be anointed in his father's place to become the new high priest. Look again at verse 2. Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil and the bull for the sin offering. Now, every word in the scripture is inspired. We see that we're coming upon a portion of scripture that deals with the consecration of the high priest and his sons, the typical priests. And we see here that garments are mentioned, and it's going to be these garments and the messages of these garments that is going to convey biblical truth related to the will of God, the purposes of God to the people. But also, 
we see that that there is a bull for a sin offering. And this speaks about the fact that that Aaron was not perfect. His sons were not perfect. There was sin. And therefore, that sin has to be dealt with. And in our situation, we too are sinners. And our sins are dealt with through the gospel message. Messiah being that, that sacrifice for sin that restores us eternally to God and makes us a new people. Through the work of Messiah, we have a new identity and we become, as Peter says in quoting Exodus chapter 19, we become that royal priesthood. That means a priesthood that is committed to the kingdom. Not the kingdom of this world, but a kingdom that will be established. So we are that royal priesthood, that holy nation, holy, I've said this many times, Holy is related to the purpose of God. So we become a people, a nation, a kingdom people that is committed to the purposes of God. Now, we see this foundationally in this consecration service of this family. Look again at verse 2. Take Aharon and his sons with him, and the garments... Why garments? I said the garments relate to their call, their identity as priests, and the anointing oil and the bull for the sin offering. And also, part of the sacrifice includes these two rams, and finally, a basket of unleavened bread, sal ha-matzot. And we know that unleavened bread speaks about that which is without sin, and without pride. And that is how we are called to serve God. That's why this this basket of unleavened bread appears here. It informs the reader, and it informs Aharon and his sons, that they're called not to live sinfully, but to live without leaven. Leaven, synonymous with pride, synonymous with sin, synonymous with the things of this world. And wanting the things of this world to increase, leaven, of course, causes the dough to rise, to become greater than it is in actuality. And that's what we sometimes want for ourselves, that we are seen by others, that we're viewed by others greater than we truly are. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. And it's only his vantage point, his perspective, that is, which is is proper. Look again at verse 2. We see that he takes all of these things, and now look at verse 3. And all the congregation, now this word for congregation is the word eda, which is related to the Hebrew word for a witness or a testimony. And this is important because the, the congregation is supposed to bear witness. They're supposed to have a testimony that is is related to the purposes of God, the commandments of God, the instructions of God, the will of God. So this is why Ada. The next word is a word for assembling, or many Bibles will say being gathered. It is the word that's appearing in the the 
hifil, which is the causative. So we could say make to be gathered or cause to be gathered or cause to be assembled. The, the congregation before the opening, this is the door of the tent of meeting. The tent of the meeting, obviously at this time, there is not a, a temple, there is a tabernacle. And usually we see this word mishkan, that's normally when someone says tabernacle, we think of the word mishkan, which relates to where God dwelt in this world in a unique way. Of course we know God is omnipresent, he's everywhere, but in a unique way his dwelling presence was in the tabernacle, in the holy of holies, above the testimony that ark of testimony the ark of the covenant between the two kruvim the two cherubim so in a unique place but this is a different word it's not the word mishkan it's two words ohel which means tent and the word uh, uh, moed which usually is translated the tent of meeting because the word moed means a designated time So we would go and worship him and approach him at the times that God commands. Look again at verse 3. And all the congregation be gathered to the, the door of the tent of the meeting. And what did Moses do? Here again, a faithful, obedient servant. Verse 4. And Moses did. What did he do? God share. Just as, just as the Lord commanded him and the congregation was gathered to the door of the tent of the meeting. So what we see here is that things have been prepared. This this consecration service is not just about the priests, but also about the congregation. And it shows a connection between the priest's call and that call being connected to the congregation. Those who want to bear witness of the things of God. Now look at verse 5. And Moses spoke to the congregation. This is this group of people that relates to a witness, a testimony. This word which the Lord commanded him to do. So we see that everything that God commanded Moses to say and to do, he shared this with the congregation. Why is that verse there? Very simply, to tell the people that this event isn't just about the high priests and the priests, that they are related, that their ministry, their service, their work is directly related to the congregation that they are able to do what they are called to do, which is to bear witness, to bear witness concerning the purposes of God, the call of Israel that came from God, why he set this people apart, why he redeemed them, so that they could be that testimony among the nations. Now look at verse 6 again. Everything that we're going to be encountering in this this chapter it is written away to give to us the reader revelation so look carefully at this verse verse six and moses brought near he brought near aaron 
and his sons. And what did he do? He washed them in water. Now, most would would understand this when this word is used for washing. It is a word that the sages say relate to immersion. Before the priests would work in the tabernacle and thereafter in the temple, they would immerse themselves. If you come to Israel, you will find near the temple mount that there were these mikvaot, these places of immersion. Yes, there is, and we'll come to this in a moment, the basin for the washing of the hands and the feet. But nevertheless, even before this, there was this washing. And this washing, which is an immersion, has a purpose. It is to show a change of status. They were doing their will. But now, being set apart as priests, they are called to be different. They have a change. They're now under the authority of God. And that's one of the things that immersion signifies. When Messiah came and was immersed at the Jordan River, remember that term, Jordan means to go down. It's a term of humility. And he was, was telling us, and his heavenly father as well. Now, of course, he knew it always. His father knew it, but it's for the reader. That he was going to humbly submit to the authority of God. And he did this because he is our perfect example. And now the priests are demonstrating the same thing by being washed again. And, and he washed them in water he commanded them to be immersed is how we should understand it verse 7 and he said upon him now we're talking about Aaron the high priest we're going to see for a little while the emphasis is not on all the priests but specifically upon Hakon Hagadol the high priest, and in this case, we're speaking about Aharon, or in English, Aaron. Verse verse 7. And he set upon him the tunic. Now, this is the, the undergarment. It had long sleeves. It was made in a way that went under the garments that were going to come over uh, this introductory garment. So the first thing that Moses did, look at verse 7, he set upon him the tunic and he girded him with the avnet. The word avnet is sash. Now we can think of it as a, a belt. It was oftentimes we think of it as a color, unique. The, the tunic most likely was, was white and we see that, that this probably had color in it, but the purpose of this girding with the apnet, the sash, was for the purpose of girding, and girding always relates to service. It relates to being ready to work, being ready to commit to the service that one is being called to. This girding, the word here is related to chagura, which is the word for belt. So the sash is functioning like a belt, in this situation 
And keep reading in verse 7. And he dressed him with the ma'il. The ma'il is the coat. So now we see there's this undergarment and there's this sash and there's also something that goes over all of this and this is the ma'il. And he sets upon it, meaning he sets upon Aaron and him wearing this this coat. He sets upon it and we have the word ephod. Now the word ephod it is something that has shoulder straps. It is like, in fact, in modern Hebrew, in modern Hebrew, the word ephod is vest. And we're going to see that this also, being placed where it was, it was a, a garment that was there for a purpose. And it's only as we continue read, reading, we find what that purpose was. Let's do that. It said, and he girded him with the ephod, but the word that precedes the word ephod, that's ves, is the word chashev, which is that which is woven. And woven in a very integral or delicate, very elaborate fashion. So the ephod is prepared and made in a very unique way. And then as we keep reading, it says, Vai ye fod lo bo, which means, and, and the ephod was placed upon him. We might translate it set or girded upon him with it. Meaning the ephod is going to hold things in together. Now, we know that there's a sash that holds the tunic, the undergarment, in place there is that that coat and then upon the coat is this ephod this vest with the shoulder straps that is going to be of the key importance in a moment because if we keep reading look now at verse 8 and he said upon him now this him can also be it meaning he said upon Aaron yes but Aaron wearing the ephod so he's placing upon it, and read carefully, the hoshen. Now, the hoshen is the breastplate. So we see that there's the tunic, there's the avnet, the sash, there's the ma'il, the coat, and then over all of this, holding those other garments into place. I'm speaking about the, the ma'il is this this ephod which holds it together so that it can receive something that the breastplate might be placed upon the ephod and you can see this and we've studied this in our book of exodus how this all works together and then he says and set upon the breastplate the urim and the tumim now this is important because we have these two things Urim, the word Urim comes from the Hebrew word Or, which means light. And we find as well the word Tumim comes from the Hebrew word, which means conclusion in or that which is whole. And the tradition is, and there's biblical basis for this, that this, this 
Urim and Tumim, they would, would light up, because the name Urim related to light, they would light up in a way that they would convey revelation that it would be used for additional revelation whereby the high priest could discern God's will in a specific situation and come to the right conclusion to bring and into the matter. So if someone had a question, no one knew the answer, through the Urim and Tumim, that they could arrive at the conclusion of this, of this issue. This is the traditional view within rabbinical Judaism. Verse 9. After placing everything and putting it in order according to the instructions of God, from the head down, from the neck, the shoulders, going down towards the ground, we see that now in verse 9, there's an emphasis upon the head. Look at verse 9. And he set the mitznefet. The mitznefet is the turban. He set the turban upon his head, and he set upon the turban before its front. And then we have the word, sits hazahav, the golden headplate. The word sits is the word for a headplate. Now, we know what was on it. We learned that from our study of Exodus. Holy to the Lord, meaning set apart for the purposes of God. Over and over, this text yells to the reader that the high priest is always, always, always committed to the purposes of God. And as his royal priesthood, we also must always be committed to the purposes of God. That's our new identity. Through regeneration, our new nature is an agreement with God. We want the will of God, we're committed to the purposes of God so that we're always faithful to the instructions of God. That's who we're called to be and the Holy Spirit will work in the believer's life to bring this about. So again, verse verse 9. And he set the mitznefet, the turban, upon his head and he placed upon the turban before its front the golden headplate. And this became, when it's all together, the turban with the golden headplate, it becomes the holy diadem. Now, that word diadem, or here in the Hebrew, nezer, is simply the word for crown. So the high priest wears a crown. But this is what's so interesting. When we look carefully at this, this holy crown, that's what it's literally called, what do we know about it? Well, he has been crowned to agree with God. That is his authority. That is what that crown speaks of. Remember the, the connection. There is that tunic, and upon the tunic, the sash, he's girded for service. Service to who? To God. He has these other garments, and the purpose of these other garments is to identify himself as a servant of God. He has the breastplate. And in that breastplate is the Urim and also the Tumim. In order that he can discern 
what is the purpose of God and bring the purposes of God to their conclusion. This is what the high priest is called to do. He rules a crown is a, a emblem of authority once more. But again, the purpose of that is that he can carry out the will of God. That is the basis for his authority as high priest. And notice how it ends. Look at verse 9 at the end. Kasher, that's that same word, just as the Lord commanded Moses. So this is all being done based upon the instructions that God gave to Moses. And these instructions convey to us the call of the high priest. What he is called to do and the priests who are under his authority. He is seen as a a king priest in one sense. He's over king priests, over the other priests. But of course, submissive to God, who is the king of kings and the Lord of Lord. Look now to verse, verse 10. And Moses took the anointing oil and he anointed what? The Mishkan. Now we have that word, a change from the tent of meeting to the tabernacle, the Mishkan, and all of what was in it, and he sanctified them. Now, this term for sanctified has to do with being set apart for a purpose. And again, it is so that the people might worship God and in doing so, that they might worship him based upon, and here's the key, based upon their agreement with the will of God. That's how the priests ministered to the people, revealing the will of God. The priests primarily were the teachers. And what did they teach? They taught the will of God to the people so that they could have, and it simply is a very logical conclusion, so that they could have that proper testimony that manifested to the nations. What is the way of God? What is his will? What is his purpose? What is God doing? And how can we, and here's the key, how can we have the privilege of participating with him? That is what our call is. We have been set free from the bondage of sin so we can participate in the will of God. That's that's foundational for us as disciples of Messiah. Why do I receive the gospel? Well, of course, I don't want punishment, but I don't want to live in a life that deserves punishment. I want to live in a life that brings the praise of God, that he's well pleased with me. And this this concentration of the priests, first the high priest and others, bears witness to this. So look again. It says, and he anointed the tabernacle and all which is in it, and he sanctified them. All of this sanctification is to get ready for the presence of God to fill this place and to do what? To be the leader of the people that they understand their submissiveness to him, verse verse 11. What else did Moses do? It says here, and he sprinkled from it, and this would be from the anointing oil, he sprinkled from it upon the altar seven times, and he anointed the altar and all of its vessels, and the kior, that is that basin, 
and it stand for their sanctification, that they might all be used correctly under the authority of God for the purposes of God that manifest the will of God, that when it's fulfilled, God is glorified. That is the order of what our lives are supposed to be now as servants of God. And now look at verse 12. And he poured out, this is another word for anointing, he he anointed with the, the anointing oil or from the anointing oil upon the head of Aharon, he anointed him to sanctify him, that is, to make him holy. Well, what does that mean to make holy? To put him into service. That now he could be used by God for God's purposes. Now I realize, I talk greatly about the purposes of God. But but this is where spirituality begins. Until we know the purposes of God, we cannot submit We can have a submissive attitude, but that submissive attitude needs to be be acted upon. It needs to lead us to submissive behavior. So we can begin with a submissive attitude. That's well and fine, but it needs to carry out a submissive lifestyle, a submissive behavior that is rooted in the purposes of God that manifest the righteousness of God so that God in the end will be glorified. That's the testimony that we're called to have. Verse 12, And he anointed from the anointing oil upon the head of Aaron, and he anointed him and sanctified him. Verse 13, which is going to be our last verse this evening. And Moses brought near after the anointing of Aharon, the high priest. We are told in verse 13 that Moses brought near the sons of Aharon. And what did he do? The same thing. He dressed them in the tunic. And he girded them with the sesh. But notice they didn't have the breastplate that was only for the high priest what did they have well notice and he set upon the head now this is a word a unique verb that has to do with wearing a hat so it simply says that he caused them to wear a hat meaning he placed a hat upon them but it's a different word if we go back to the hat with Aaron it's called here mitznefet a turban. But this is something different. This is the, the Hebrew word givaot. And givaot has to do with what? A hat. So here it says, and he he placed upon them the migbaot. So there's an M before it, a mem. Migbaot. Just as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, as we conclude... I want us to see two things. We see a distinction between Aharon as high priest and the other priests. They did not have the same attire because they had a different call. Secondly, they did not have the same headdress 
because they were as well called for a related purpose, but there was an order. And this, this distinction in headdress reveals to the ones, the congregation, the different call that they had, related but different. We see that authority was, was primarily set upon Aaron. And he had the responsibility of bringing the priests under his authority based upon the instructions of God. Now, we have, as the scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews, we have our great high priest, who is that Messiah. He has passed through the heavens. He has come here. He has demonstrated the will of God. He has fulfilled it in doing the the eternal redemptive work on the cross. And now we are brought into his service under his authority. And because we're committed to him, our life is going to be submissive to the will of Messiah. And what is that? Well, just like the priests were called to teach Israel the things of God, we see that we're called to teach the nations. First and foremost, we're supposed to have as a priority Israel. We see this in the scripture, that that the church is supposed to provoke Israel to jealousy, to bring them back, to be an instrument of bringing Israel back to repentance. Why? Repentance shows a commitment for the purposes of God. Yes, it has to do with being contrite, wanting to turn away from sin, but ultimately all of those things are for one thing, and that is to begin to do the will of God. And we're called now to be submissive to our great high priests and to carry out in, in, in revealing to others what is his will. What has he done? We're called, what is that great commission? Go and make disciples, teaching them to observe, to do all the things which I have commanded. So when we talk about us as followers of Messiah, we are called to be obedient. We're called to observe all the things he's commanded. And it's only in observance. We're not talking about salvation, how to be saved. We're talking about how to be pleasing to God, how to demonstrate faithfulness, how to give a proper testimony. And that is always, always, always related to doing the will of God. We need to see that great commission is related to observing those things that Messiah has commanded us. Well, I'll close with that until next week, and we continue on in chapter 8. Until then, Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.